it is time to get solar powered. We welcome you back to another episode of the Solar Powered Podcast. I'm Ryan Hall from Royal Hearts Coaching, royalheartscoaching.com, life and relationship coaching for kings. And I got a kind of an out of the blue Facebook message about a month or so ago from somebody I hadn't heard from in a long time. Her name, and she's our guest this week, but her name is Allison Reynoso. And when we went through that just crazy coach training program, there was definitely definitely a kindred spirit that I saw in Allison from, from day one and um, hadn't heard from her in so long. We caught up and it's uh, really great to bring her on. And I think we've got a really interesting conversation to have with you guys about what it means what death and dying really means. And I know that sounds maudlin, but hear us out. <laughs> and it is truly an honor to welcome Allison Reynoso, my accomplishment coaching classmate to the Solar Powered Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, my dear. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me here. Uh, it, it is just interesting, right, how time goes by and they are parts of us that still connect with each other because I remember when I met you like three four years ago more like through, five uh, <laughs> <laughs> 2016 like five years? Yeah. wow yeah okay five years ago yeah uh and and definitely one of the things I remember about you is that a lot of what you brought to the table I could relate to you know there was a lot of similarities and, and overall just having that experience together. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, it's, uh, you know, no matter what you believe spiritually in God and the universe, there's definitely, definitely certain people get put in your path for a reason. I agree. I always say nothing happens by accident. No, there are no coincidences and there are no accidents. No, except with the exception of maybe the occasional fender bender, but <laughs> I get into that. Uh, but yeah, no, kind of, you know, tell us a little bit about um, who you are. Who was Allison Reynoso? What are you up to with your life? Sure. Who am I? I always start, I always start uh, with just saying that I am a mother. I am a human being who it's, it's constantly searching for more. Um, I am an intuitive life coach. Uh, my coaching has definitely shifted to a place where I can, I can relate to even more, you know, it's more, I like to call it experiential more than anything else. Uh, and I also, I've been in having death and dying conversation for probably 15 years now. I've worked in hospice, uh, managing and really connecting with volunteers and pairing volunteers with patients. And that has given me access to have death and dying conversation in a place where it's common, it's normal. And I, because of that, I see the contrast between where I'm at in a hospice setting and outside, especially in society, that those conversations about death and dying don't happen. And if they happen, they usually happen when it's happening. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Before it's happening. Before it so, actually goes down. Yeah. Before it actually goes down. Yeah. So I, I strongly believe in the quality of life until the end of life. And even when you're dying, you're still breathing. 
So I am very committed to that. Um, I also, lately I've been having what I call death conscious conversations <laughs> in that death conscious conversations really talking about taking any kind of experience with death, dying, loss and grief and taking that experience as a way to look deeper into who you are. Yeah. That's the way I had found, and I'll tell you a little bit about it, uh, something that happened to me last year, but he has definitely, because of that experience, he had led me to just look deeper into who I am and how do I want to live for the rest of my life? Yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because I find that, you know, they, these are, these are definitely conversations that I think a lot of people have, but like very hush hush, almost like you don't want to address the pink elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, honestly, this is something that I went through with both of my parents, losing both of mm -hmm. my parents is that this is the conversation that you know, you need to have but you, but you have it in like hushed tones and whisper tones. Of course. It's the difference between a conversation you need to have and a conversation you want to have, right? It's, yeah. it, there's a lot more involved. There's a lot more stigma and heaviness to this is a conversation I have to have because my father is dying. You know, it's different than let's have a conversation about death and dying. Like, what are your wishes? You yeah. know? But even before you can have that conversation, I find that there's a way, the best way is to really um, just be with it. Let me give you an example. Yeah, I was uh, just gonna say, say more. <laughs> Let me give you an example. When people call me and say that they wanna become a hospice volunteer. And what that means is basically volunteer to be at the bedside of someone who has a life expectancy of six months or less. That's basically what I mean. That person could look uh, very with it or that could, person could look almost out of it, right? So when people call me and say that they wanna become a hospice volunteer, my first question is, you know, besides what's your name, I ask, why hospice? There's always something that leads you to look deeper into having those conversations. And sometimes it's because they have had a good experience with the hospice team and they would like to be of service with people at the end of life or because they were a caregiver or they were a son or daughter who saw that their relatives were dying and they saw what was needed. Either they got, either they got what they needed, they did not get what they needed. So now they wanna make a difference and the way that they wanna make a difference is by being of service to all the people who are at the end of life. Got it, got it. So there's definitely a, like an outside pull for somebody who would yes. want to, who, who would want to take on this type of, exactly. uh, it, this type of work, because, you know, I would say it would take a lot of, uh, it, it would take a lot of like healed feelings, a lot of healed emotions mm -hmm. in order to take on this type of work and really make it mean something, mm -hmm. you know, big and powerful. I agree. I agree. And, and, and at the same time, sometimes you don't know what you need until you're there. 
Yeah. Like you might be kind of like, oh, I'm curious about this. I want to do volunteer work and I'm choosing to go. Let me tell you, for me, I never thought about, I started this work as a volunteer myself. And it happened many, many years ago. I don't even remember how long ago when my grandmother died. So my grandmother died in Boston. I mean, New York City. And I remember asking people, I went to visit her before she died. She was in the nursing home. She died. And then I became curious. I'm like, I wonder who, how much visitors she had when she was in the hospital or the nursing home, wherever she was in. So I started asking questions. My other, my other a lot of family members live near her and not a lot of people went to visit. And I even began to question, did she die alone? I don't even remember if anybody could tell me whether or not she died alone. So I remember I was in college back then and I remember that hit me. I was going to my class and he hit me that I didn't know. And just the thought that she died alone, I just broke down. And that was the first time that I really cried for her. So I'm like, oh my gosh, she's dead. And did she die alone? And because of that curiosity and that pain, I decided that I wanted to volunteer and I wanted to volunteer with those at the end of life. So I became a volunteer at a hospice in New York City. And I was there for about six months and I used to visit patients, right? This is the kind of work that you don't know what's gonna come up and you don't know what it's gonna be like until you do it. The, old, the only way to know is to actually do the work. Yeah. And then I, you know, then... I got a job and that's how the whole journey began. Been so there I definitely know. I've been there, done that. And that's one of the gifts of being in this position is that I've done the work. So I know what it's like. Yeah. 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 When you, when you see the kind of stuff every day um, that when you were a volunteer, especially when you were mm -hmm. a volunteer out in the field, when you see that kind of stuff every day, um, it really, like, I would say that it would really strengthen and nurture your support system yourself when that conversation occurs within your own family. Of course. Of course. Because you, you, you are, there's always something there for you. As a volunteer, there's always something there for you. Yeah. So just being able, and you learn a lot from just the staff and the team and how the, the, the different disciplines and what it's really, it depending on where you live, but what is really needed in having those conversations about what happens at the end of life and what are your wishes. You get a little bit more comfortable with it. So when your time comes, you will most likely be comfortable to have those conversations with most people who are not comfortable. So I, 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 I am a true advocate of having death and dying conversation because it is natural. Indeed, indeed. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it is a side effect of having the expiration date on this skin suit that we all have. It is. It is. It is. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> everything is it, it's it's natural and it's it's going to happen to all of us. And there's no way to run from it. There's one thing we know for sure is that we all going to die. Right. And I don't mean that as an, oh my God, we are going to die. Let's just be so sad about it. Yeah, it's a fact. And knowing that, now what? What are you going to do with that? 
How are you going to move forward with your life? Who do you want to be? You know, those questions, exploring who am I spiritually? So it really can lead there or it can lead into, oh, I'm just going to die. So since I'm going to die, nothing really matters. So let me not do anything with myself. Let me just allow the people to abuse me because I'm nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a totally different conversation with yourself. No, no, it really is. It's almost like the difference between having that, you know, having that like difficult, yes, but that heart-centered conversation that, you know, we all need to have with the people who, uh, that we love and who love us as compared to the, I don't know if you're familiar with the Sopranos, but the Livia Soprano approach where like everything is dark and, you know, everything is dark and I'm dying and (laughs) it's all a big nothing. (laughs) hey whatever works you know sometimes we're so accustomed to suffering that just don't tell me how to get out of it no (laughs) and that's when we resist i don't want to know you know god it's almost like you were on my you were on with my therapist last week wow oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's Uh, neither here nor there and i will not get into that conversation right now um i understand that yeah what you know what are some things would you being in this process yourself what have been some things that you have learned about yourself and who you are as a mother, as a partner, as a coach, um, you know, what are some things that you've learned about yourself having these conversations on a pretty regular basis? Oh, uh, a lot for sure. <laughs> a lot. Um, a lot when it comes to being in the moment and practicing some skills to help me be centered, really go within, you know, and even more, I, I feel that <clears throat> I went through a, a spiritual awakening this past year um, because I broke my foot, my ankle, back in 2020, uh, July 4th. So it's, it's crazy, right? right? So on July 4th, I lost my independence to walk, <laughs> Right. It was pretty dramatic. I didn't know I was going to need surgery. It was really, um, it was really, I want to say an opportunity now. I didn't see it as an opportunity then. Before I thought it was tragic. Part of me thought it was tragic and and this is when is this going to end? And the other part of me was like, is this actually happening? (laughs) You know, I was five months without being able to put my foot, my right foot down. So I lost my capacity to walk. I lost my capacity to drive. I enjoy driving. I I lost my capacity just to do basic things, basic living daily things, you know, the way I used to do it. There's nothing like not being able to do something that we take for granted to really appreciate. Yeah. Right. I've always liked walking. And just, just not being able to put my foot in the grass was a big thing. Oh, wow. So that experience, that experience really got me in touch with my own mortality and the fact that I, I am a spiritual being with this body and that this body is fragile. It can be fragile and that it's not permanent, that I'm not going to be healthy forever. 
So now what? So it was many months of meditation, contemplation, uh, just going deeper into who I am, my spirituality, and most importantly, like, who do I choose to be for the rest of my life? Who do I want to be? What do I want to do with what I have left? And at the same time, I turned 50 last month, last year. So it was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Is so this was the a- breakdown process already? <laughs> Exactly. What's happening here? Especially growing up in a in a household where age determines your ability to walk or not. You know, it's like <laughs> you complain based on how old you are. You're allowed to complain <laughs> based on how old you are. <laughs> so definitely it, it has been, it's a process. I am healing. I am healed in many ways and I continue to heal. Uh, it is a process and all of that because of my experience, I work with people who have had some type of epiphany or some type of, uh, they're curious about how, how, how am I going to live the rest of my life? Either they have lost someone or they have experienced what some people call secondary loss, like my loss, the loss of independence, loss of, it could be a loss of a job, but you start yeah. questioning now what? So I work with people who are just ready, who are willing and, and ready. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm hearing in your in what you just shared. I hear a lot of almost. I hear a lot of like a newfound gratitude for what you do have in your life. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And learning to shift that perspective, you know. I am the type that I, I usually see the glass halfway empty. Like, what's going on here? I really want the glass to be full. There must be something wrong with me. You know, that those types of conversations internally don't do anybody any good, you know? And, and, and then noticing that, and then noticing my judgment about it, and then now what? Like choosing from a different place. That's what I'm talking about. Just choosing from a different place. And not always. <laughs> Don't get <Yeah>. me wrong. <laughs> not I mean, always. You know, it's like, it, it's one of the, um, one of the more frustrating parts about the coaching work that we do is mm-hmm. knowing that you can see just world changing greatness in somebody. You can lead somebody to the trough of possibility, but you can't shove their head underwater and make them drink. Nope. The, the willingness. I learned that. I didn't get that from coaching training or the years after that, but I, I get it now. That willingness, it's a must. It's just, if you're not willing, who cares what, how many tools you got? Or who cares how much insight you got? Or how much ability to connect to source you got? If you're not willing, just going to stay there. Yeah. If you're, yeah, if you're not willing to look at it from the, from the perspective that's just screaming at you right in front of your Mm -hmm. face. But that's, that's, yep. That's what I call a higher perspective. You know, that's what I call a higher perspective. It's saying whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. So I, 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 I am definitely, I am different. I am reinventing not just my business, but who I am. 
you know, I, I've always known that there's so much more than this physical body. I've always known that this, the spirit, spirit and spiritual and all of that is there. But after this experience, I was like, whoa, of course, of course there is. What was like, what was like, what was the, the questioning about? Now, how do I live this life the best way possible, you know? You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm reminded of, um, just to kind of toot my own horn here, but I'm mm -hmm. reminded of one of the central themes of my first novel, of, of the dash between the date you're born and the date you die, and filling that dash to the brim with a rich and fulfilling life, mm -hmm. and knowing that there is, as I said before, there is an expiration date for this skin suit that we all have, mm -hmm. but that the spirit will live on forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, that's a, that's a conversation and the reality that it's, it's very um, private and very individualized. You know, it's like you, the way you feel is the way you feel and what you believe is what you believe. You know, and that's how we create what we what we have and the experience we have. But I guess I'm saying all that to say that for some people, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, show me like they need to see it. They need to feel it. And for me, that's where faith and trust kicks in, especially if you're not used to that and you want to you thinking that you're in control and now things happen. It's like, oh, why did this happen to me? You know? as opposed to, okay, this happened to me. What is this about? Now what? Yeah. Yeah, it's like earlier today, me and Pete getting caught up in that freak rainstorm. <laughs> just, just, right as I'm walking by a 275-year-old church. I mean, hello. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. What was that about? Yeah, I, I, that's... That may be a whole other conversation for a whole nother podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. okay. okay. But what just kind of ballparking it, it's um, I think I think what it's about is just a, like a wake up call. Like, hey, there's somebody out there that is, you know, that is pulling the strings, that is helping you, that is keeping you alive and healthy and mm -hmm. blessed um that there is that there is a that there is something out there that is way bigger than my physical form mm -hmm. mm. that i'm here listen to me mm. well, sounds loud and clear to me yep yeah <laughs> granted when i was you know when i've when i was soaking wet and dealing with a wet dog who couldn't understand why he was getting wet Mm -hmm. It's a different perspective, but I've had a few mm -hmm. hours to process. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need, you just need some time. Yeah, you no, just you need just, some time. You just need some time. Perspective can be our best friend sometimes. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I totally agree with that. You know, one thing I'd love to ask you is when, you know, if there's somebody out there who may be, who's, you know, a parent, a grandparent, or a sibling, or something like that, who mm -hmm. may be dealing with a, you know, a 
a pretty heavy diagnosis of, you know, you're going to die. Um, what might be some things like some starters to start having that conversation that might demystify it and take the significance away from mm -hmm. it? Mm. Am I speaking to the caregiver? You're, you're speaking to the caregiver, maybe to maybe more towards the family member who, yeah, who sure. might be the caregiver, the yeah. caregiver. Um, I would say really take some time to digest that information for yourself first. And what does lost and dying means for you? I mean, what are your what are your thoughts about death and dying? What do you what do you think? What's in what's in your head? What do you believe? Like start there. And most likely fear is gonna come up. All of us, right? Oh my God, you know, fear is gonna come up and say, okay, so I, I'm I'm afraid of this. Is there anybody that I can ask for guidance? Someone that you can respect and someone you can have that kind of conversation with. You know, sometimes if if your relative, it's there's a social worker involved, talk to that social worker about it. You know, many times they are trained to deal with those conversations. And most importantly, I think it's really you thinking about what it means to you, recognizing the fear, knowing that this is happening anyways, you can't stop it. Meaning what's coming up, you can't stop it. Yeah. And and take care of yourself in your heart as much as possible. And by that, I mean, not protecting yourself, but more like getting in touch with yourself more often. So perhaps if you never meditated, you may want to try meditating. If you meditated, perhaps you may want to start uh, listening to some of those uh, like musics and ways for you to get into your body. Do something different. You know, if you're always in your head, do something that is going to put you into your body so that you can be present to yourself and be with how you're feeling about it. Yeah. And, and look for resources. There's a lot of resources out there. What's needed? What's next? But before you even look into the illness or look into how, you, how you're going to take care of your loved one, it's first, it be, just begins with you, but the, because the more at peace you are, the more, the better you will be able to be of service to them, to be with them. Yeah, yeah that's- uh... you, you can find the logistical stuff. Sorry, Ryan. No, go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, you can find the logistical stuff. The question is, who do you wanna be with it? Because it's gonna happen. You know, as you're sharing that with me, I um, I don't even know if I've shared this with you or not, but um, but my sister Ivy back in Alabama um, was diagnosed with throat cancer a few years ago, mm -hmm. I and um, I mean it was it, it was stage three when she was diagnosed, but it never you know it never metastasized. But mm. having you know, first of all, being a thousand miles away. You know, even that conversation with even that word is something that would just scare the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. But especially since we never really got to have the, 
the conversation with, you know, my mom and my dad who passed away from cancer. Um, it's just, you know, it, it was a, it, it was just, uh, just a whole lot to deal with all at once. And I just to be able to stay like present and sane during that whole process, I had to really rely on just all of the training and the, mm -hmm. and the perspective and the coaching and the therapy that I've had over all these many years mm -hmm. to be able to get through that in one piece. That's something that the kind of work that we have done as coaches in a, in a coach training, that's mm -hmm. the, that's a kind of perspective that a lot of people don't have. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's always, and it's just like you said, there's always somebody that you can call a social worker, clergy, mm -hmm you know, anybody that you can call and be able to get perspective on mm -hmm. just what to do next. Yes, yes. That's why, you know, Nesreen, you know, uh, the other coach, you know, Nesreen. Oh, I, uh, oh, I, I know her well. Know I, I, I want to reach out to her for this podcast too. Yes, for sure. She would be great. Uh, that's why we joined forces to develop a healing circle. Healing circle is specifically for people who have lost someone, people who are grieving, people who are really looking forward to healing and, and being able to talk to other people who are going through similar stuff, even if they choose not to say anything, it's healing. You know, every time Nasreen and I talk about our own uh, processes when it comes to healing and just just being confronted with loss and grief overall that comes up. Because sometimes we think we are good and then something reminds us of that person and then we find ourselves sad again. So just being able to talk about that helps, you know? Yeah. So we decided to just, to just put this healing circle together because of it. Yeah. That's, uh, and it, I, I've, um, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm in that Facebook group myself, and I'm one of those, I don't talk a lot, but I have gotten a tremendous value from, you know, some of the, some of the lives that you and Nesreen have done, mm -hmm. uh, some of the lives that you and our mutual friend Barbara Milton have done in there. Yes. Um, so speaking of somebody who is gone through a lot oh my god caregivers yeah. i tell you i i mean i've worked with caregivers for a really long time but i i am a caregiver myself and sometimes it's very challenging to make the time for ourselves you yeah. know it's, it's about just making the time just prioritizing you know do i rather take a bath or do i rather clean the floor you know, and realize that cleaning the floor, how, what is that going to give you as opposed to taking a bath, you know, and constantly reassessing what do I want to do here, you know, and how can I take care of myself a little bit more here? So I've always um, been dedicated to, to caregivers because of that, because I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. You know, the, just the, the pressure that somebody can be under just to remain present during okay. some of the darkest days in somebody's lives. 
Oh man, it's just, it's just crazy. I remember a couple of years back, I have an eight-year-old boy and he was maybe six and we were crossing the street. And eight, eight going on 38, by the way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's how it is. And, uh, and we got hit by a bus, one of those electronic buses, not the bus, but the bike, not the bus, please. Okay. I was about to, I was about no, to no, 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 no. You we get hit, hit by, by a bus and bike. you the terabyte. Yeah. No, 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 no. All right, all right. All I see you. I see not you. all of that. Not all of that. A bike. <laughs> and no, not all of that. And, uh, and I remember like going through the ambulance and taking him to the doctors. And, and to me, it was like, it wasn't happening. You know, I knew it was happening, but in my mommy, it wasn't really happening, but it wasn't afterwards. And, you know, thank God everything is fine. It's healthy, you know, and not me too. It wasn't after, until afterwards that then I got really, really nervous and I started questioning, like, what if it would have happened? What if this would have happened? You know, I just got into fear, like crazy. It was a traumatic experience. That's when I realized this was a traumatic experience. And every time I would walk by, I would remember that time, you know, but recognizing, yes, this was difficult. And my God, and think God, talk about being grateful. That's, that's when gratitude kicks in for me. you know that's when gratitude kicks in for me yeah caregiving it's I find caregiving I heard someone Jennifer Huff spoke up she speaks about caregivers as caregiving it's a way for you to really practice giving like practice being of service with those you care for it's a practice right yeah. practice of being just just practicing being love and allowing love into your life with many challenges <laughs> of course of course many many challenges many challenges yeah you know i was reading uh, something earlier today that and it, and it's not even simply uh human caregivers but i read somewhere earlier today that among like the like the healing professions, the suicide rate among veterinarians is incredibly high. Wow. And it's like one of the it's like one of the highest of like the the healing medical type professions. And I totally get it because wow. you know I I know that that you know I've never had to make that phone call yet but I know that day is coming and it's a, just really a heavy thing to even think about. And knowing that, you know, when these people clock in every day, they see this kind of stuff day after day after day, it just wears on somebody mm-hmm. and just the mental health can just start wearing away like a nub. Of course. So you got to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, and, and talk about it, write about it express it one way or another like release all of that stuff one way or another yeah because because it's going to be like a pressure cooker you're going to (laughs) blow oh my god i didn't know that that's interesting yeah 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 when we stop recording i'll 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 share the link with you because i i find it quite fascinating um Mm -hmm. um but i think one more thing that i wanted to ask Mm -hmm. you before uh uh uh, before we go is um, if there's, you know, if there's somebody out there listening who 
has um, who has gone through seeing somebody with an extended illness and passing away, somebody that they love, a family member, a close friend who has gone through the hospice system. Um, and there's something calling to them about maybe being a volunteer, about maybe, you know, working with somebody. What, you know, what would you say to that person so far as what to expect, what to be prepared for in that kind of, uh, in that kind of, uh, of uh, atmosphere? Hmm. What to expect in terms of what kind of assistance to get? Uh, yeah, what, you know, what kind of work do they need to do to be mentally oh. and physically, uh, to be mentally and spiritually prepared for something like that? Oh, to, to actually be of service to someone else? Yes. Like that? Oh, I get it. <sighs> Just think about what you got out of the experience, like for you. I think about what you got out of the experience of loss and grief. Where you at with that? Like, what was that about? I would even suggest, like, write a letter to that person. Say everything and anything that you want to say to that person within that letter and tell them that perhaps you are considering being of service with people at the end of life. How do they feel about it? Just put everything in writing and then see, see what comes up from that. And if you're still curious about it, just reach out to organizations you know, near where you live and find out about doing uh, volunteering for hospice and find out about there's a lot of uh, things that need to be done, like there's always a background check and health screening, especially nowadays. But if you're willing to take all those steps in order to be your servicing that way, it's just going to happen. Just a matter of, of having patience with yourself. And if you go through all of that process and you get trained, and then you decide, you get your first assignment and you decide this is not what I want to do, you know, then it's totally okay not to. We always ask for people to wait at least a year like when they have significant loss, to wait about a year before they reach out to organizations to be a hospice volunteer. And that's a way to protect you and also protect the patients and families, of course, because of, because of ways that you might get triggered that you may not know until you're there. You know, But I would say even before, if, if it's not about I, this experience, let's say you have had a significant experience, right? Like something that led you to question, what do you want to do and how do you want to be of service, right? I would say before you reach out to be of service to others, sort of like be of service to yourself and go within more and, and ask yourself, how do I want to live? And, and that's usually when you want to reach out to someone to assist you with that right? To help you map it out. Because sometimes we, we just don't know. We've never, especially if you've never been in that situation, right? Yep. You see, audience, we've had a conversation about death and dying, and it's been uplifting. It's been interesting, and it's been really powerful. <laughs> thank you so much, Ryan. <laughs> Allison, my friend, thank you so much. How can people, uh, how can people find you? How can people reach out to you if they want to work with you? Hmm. That's a really good question. Uh, you can just email me, okay, at freshaircoach, you know, at gmail.com. 
right. and that's fresh air a-e-r coach at gmail.com gotcha or just you know just look look me up on facebook at allison reynoso you got it and we'll and we'll include links yes allison thank you so much for joining us here today it's been a real treat oh likewise thank you so much it was an honor my pleasure and that'll Bye. do it and that'll do it for this episode of the solar powered podcast a presentation of royal hearts coaching for more information about royal hearts coaching look me up at royalheartscoaching.com and follow me on social media at Ryan Hall Writes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or shoot me a good old-fashioned email at Ryan at RoyalHeartsCoaching.com. But that'll do it. Until we meet again, this is Ryan Hall saying thank you so much for listening. So long for now. I love you all and go get solar power. <music>